1: Now premiering on the Studio DNA Network, sif Pop Writer's Room, a new show
2: consisting of the writers of Sifpop.com. On a rotating basis, we'll be discussing some classic movies we're watching for the first time, some comic book movies, some nostalgic movies, and what TV shows we're currently watching. But each week, we'll also be taking a look at the movies that are coming out soon and give our thoughts on how we think they will turn out. If you love movies, sif Pop Writer's Room is the place to be. So come on in and we will pull up a chair for you. Do you
0: like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's
2: Sports Yak. And welcome to episode 220 of the Sports Yak podcast.
0: You mean the Michael Keaton episode? Oh, that's the one. Come on over here, Ron. Let me show you what I'm doing. Taking advantage of some of the time off to uh, add a whole new wing on here. I'm gonna rip these walls out and, uh, of course, rewire it. Yeah, you are gonna make it all 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Well, wow, you sound like a pretty handy guy.
1: Family Broadcasting Corporation well, the going wild. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network Dream. presents oh Sportsiac. Oh One host knows sports, and who's right there. The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get
0: your big butt out of here!
1: And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! If you have not
0: seen the movie Mr. Mom, find it, get it, it's worth
2: it. One of the underrated John Hughes screenplays of our time. Agreed. Of course, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Mr. Mom, oh, that, especially when you're a dad now.
0: Yes. Can appreciate it much, much more now. Agreed. Terry Garr, back when she was a she was a thing there in the 80s and early 90s. She was in a lot of movies then.
2: And what did the young man call his favorite blanket? Don't remember. His whoopee. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Stapling the whoopee. Throwing the whoopee into the fireplace. <gasps> Spoiler alert. Oh, no. Let's get to it, Chuck Freebie.
0: Well, let's start with baseball. Major League Baseball has returned, at least for the time being, because as we record this this morning, 9.15 Eastern Time, there's a little bit of a problem in Major League Baseball. I've not heard this. The Florida Marlins, yesterday before the game, had four players test positive for COVID. They played the game and beat the Philadelphia Phillies, in Philadelphia anyway. This morning... Eight more Marlins players and two coaches have tested positive for COVID. Their playing has been grounded in Philadelphia. Their game with Baltimore postponed tonight as Major League Baseball tries to figure out what are we going to do?
2: Yeah, now what?
0: Do you bring the taxi squad in from Jupiter, Florida to play the Orioles What's going to happen? Because obviously you got twelve players positive on this thirty-man roster. You've got a full-fledged outbreak. Yeah, that's the backup plan, right? You and have if, this backup team. Well, yes, yes, and no. I mean, you do have a sixty-man roster. You you could force the Marlins to do that. Uh, there are some off days in there, or you could try to play a double header. But if If you've got 12 testing positive, chances are they're going to be positive for, you know, at least a week. Yeah. So. And you know what?
2: Let's not live in fantasy world where this thing just goes away in, quote unquote, 14 days. You know, sometimes it's 100
0: days. Sometimes it's a long while. So we shall see what happens Mm. with the first Huge in-season test here for Major League Baseball, but the Orioles and Marlins called off. Unfortunately, this throws a damper on what was a a terrific weekend, I think, for Major League Baseball in the fact that parity reigns supreme. There was not a single team that went 3-0 for the first time since 1954. A season started without a team going 3-0. There wasn't a single team that went 0-3, first time since 1951. So every team at least got one win this weekend. The Cubs picked up two. They beat the Brewers two out of three at Wrigley. Kyle Hendricks could not have been better on Friday night. He goes the distance, and boy, did that raise the eyebrows of some Cub fans because for years – Joe Madden was taking Kyle Hendricks out of games in the 5th or 6th inning, including, as many will recall, Game 7 of the World Series when Hendricks seemed to be cruising along, had a 5-1 lead, and Madden pulled him after 5. Well, Friday night, first of all, he was so economical on his pitches. He pitches a complete game shutout with an average pitch speed of 83 miles an hour but he just was doing a great job of keeping hitters off balance. He he just had Milwaukee hitters flailing at his curve and his changeup. So they're going to the ninth. The Cubs are up 3-0, and I posted a tweet that said, Dear David Ross, send Hendricks to the mound for the ninth. Love, Cub fans. And indeed he did. Hendricks gives up a leadoff single to Orlando Arcia and – I had already had at least one fan say, you know, why would you send him out there for the ninth? It's only the first game of the year. I said, he's at 88 pitches. He would still be eligible to pitch in a high school game. So, indeed, uh, first man gets on base, but two more outs, and then Ross goes to the mound to talk with Hendricks. And I think this was a very purposeful move by David Ross. It was to, number one, to go to the mound and basically tell Kyle Hendricks, I believe in you. You're staying out here. You're going to finish this up. And one pitch later, the ball game was over. He gets the last out of a magnificent shutout performance. Unfortunately, then, you Darvish took the mound on Saturday. Can we pause for a second? Mm -hmm. I think what
2: happened Friday night was... There was a lot of people that said, really? Hendricks is getting the start on opening night? I think there was a moment of he knew what he could do. He's obviously been keeping up right. with what he needed to do. And I think that was a statement to the fan base of this guy is
0: the real deal. Well, I also think there's a thought in David Ross's head with all, all that's going on in terms of the strange environment. And this team going on the road now tonight and having John Lester start this game tonight. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to have John Lester be your opening day pitcher, have him be your first pitcher on the road to set the tempo for the team. Yeah. So that's what he did. And after John Lester, if you're a Cub fan and you look at this rotation of Kyle Hendricks, you Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, and Alec Mills, well, who would you say the number two starter is? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say it's Kyle Hendricks out of that group. So in my mind, he deserved the opening day start. He got it, and boy, did he make the most of it. He just went to work that whole game and didn't let up. You know, then if you look at what happened with Joe Madden out in Anaheim, Joe Madden, as Joe Madden tends to do, yanked his starter early after 67 pitches, wound up using seven relievers, and lost on a walk-off grand slam. Seven relievers, right? Wow. So hmm. okay. it's it's a clear difference in philosophy. And with David Ross being a former catcher, I think he knows the signs to look for from a tiring pitcher. Yeah, and he didn't see him from Kyle Hendricks. You, Darvish, was a different. Did they play story. together? Yeah.
2: They, they did play yes. together okay so there's a relationship there sure
0: okay sure they you, they know each other you Darvish on Saturday you Darvish on Saturday was not good uh and this is the fear of cub fans is last year it took you Darvish three whole months to get good well you don't have three whole months yeah this year clock is ticking so you it would be great if you could figure it out here by the next start. Uh, He wasn't good, and then they brought in Brad Wick from the bullpen who promptly gave up a two-run homer to Christian Yelich and pulled his hamstring on the same pitch. So uh, that set the Cubs back on Saturday. But here comes Tyler Chatwood on Sunday. The wind is blowing out at Wrigley 20 to 25 miles an hour on a hot summer's day. And here's what Cub fans know about Tyler Chatwood up until yesterday. He typically walks a lot of people, uh, doesn't last long because he walks a lot of people, and you better score a lot of runs behind him. Well, fortunately, the Cubs scored a lot of runs fairly early in the game. But the other thing was Tyler Chatwood was starting to throw first pitch strikes. And when he can get his fastball over the plate, That makes his slider so much more of a powerful pitch because then he doesn't have to throw that for strikes. The batter's probably going to chase it anyway. And that's what happened yesterday. Tyler Chatwood threw six innings, a three-hit ball, set up the bullpen. Kyle Ryan did a nice job coming in from the bullpen, got a double play ball in the seventh, worked the eighth, and things moved along swimmingly, and the Cubs get an easy 9-1 win. Now they go to Cincinnati, where the Reds have to be smarting after losing two out of three to the Tigers. I think when you look at the schedules in the National and American League Central, you circle those days that you're playing the Tigers, and you think, we're going to win these games. Well, that didn't happen for the Reds. Playing at home over the weekend, their bullpen loses two out of three for them. Cincinnati, I think a lot of people had as a sleeper team this year to make a charge in the NL Central. Uh, In fact, I know six people at ESPN picked them to win the division. But they're off to a rocky start in Reds country, and hopefully the Cubs can capitalize that as they go to the Queen City of the West tonight.
2: Chuck, are these players quarantined in Chicago at a facility, or do they get to go home to their respectable—
0: They go home to their families. Okay. And they get tested daily. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, when something happens like what just happened with the Marlins, well, the Marlins were playing the Phillies. I would be very curious to see what the Philadelphia COVID tests are going to be like in the next two or three days. Mm -hmm. How is this all going to play out? Now, Rizzo jokingly used hand sanitizer at first base on Friday night and everybody had a good laugh. But the fact of the matter is you're going to have players in close contact with each other or relatively close contact with each other. How are you going to make sure that this thing doesn't spread? Yeah, you know, I was watching the Cub dugout yesterday after homers. Well, they're they're all high-fiving and things like that. They're not staying six feet away from each other. How in the world does this not spread? And obviously what we're seeing with Marlins right now is that it is spreading. Uh, we didn't talk about the White Sox. The White Sox... Lost two out of three to Minnesota over the weekend. In my mind, Corey, Minnesota's got the best offensive lineup in the American League Central. This is a team that last year set a major league home run record, and uh, they smacked seven homers over the weekend at guaranteed rate field. Nelson Cruz had a field day yesterday, a couple of homers, seven RBI, hit 538 for the series against the Sox. A lot of people were trying to convince us that the Sox starting pitching was going to be full of depth this year. Well, Reynaldo Lopez went down with an injury yesterday. Lucas Giolito got smacked around on opening night. I'm not seeing a whole lot of depth on that White Sox pitching staff. I think their offense is going to be fun to watch and is going to keep them in some games, but I'm not sold that they've got the pitching to be a serious contender. Now, remember, last week Major League Baseball expanded the playoff format. So it's not just five teams from each league that makes the playoffs now. It's eight. Okay. And there's only 15 teams in each league. So you could have a sub-500 team make the playoffs. We'll see what happens. And I'm not saying by any means you should count the White Sox out, but as a, if I'm a White Sox fan, I look at my pitching staff and I think, I know my offense can score a lot of runs, but they may have to. In order for us to be a contender,
2: yeah. Watching baseball over the weekend, did you get the vibe that the players understand? Look, it's 60 games. And before the end of this week, it's
0: 50 games. Yeah. I mean, the clock is ticking. I, I think there is definitely an urgency. And I think going back to the Cub Brewers series, you saw that on Saturday. A few pitches come inside on the Cubs, some tempers start to flare, and normally the benches might clear. Well, all of a sudden, players realized the rule in baseball this year is if your fight, that's an automatic suspension because you've come in contact with somebody from the other team. Oh, wow. So you got to cool it quick. So, the, so all of a sudden, you saw the brakes go on before guys even got to the foul line. There's a lot more chirping because you can hear everything from both dugouts now. There's no crowd to drown it out. Everybody hears everything. But that said... You gotta be smart about it. And the chirping showed up yesterday, by the way, in St. Louis. So starting pitchers now, if you're not in the game, say say you're the starter for Monday's game for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it's the Sunday game. You're sitting in the stands, which is where Derek Holland was sitting. And he'd seen enough calls to go against the Pirates. He starts chirping at the home plate umpire and the home plate umpire turns and tosses him from the contest. Well, now the manager for the pirates, Derek Shelton comes out of the dugout to argue. Derek Shelton has to pull up his mask and the home plate umpire takes off his face mask that he would traditionally wear and puts a mask on over his mouth in trying to put the mask on over his mouth the little strand that's the ear loop breaks so he's trying to hold the mask up it just it just looks so abnormal right now oh it was missing with some Benny Hill music exactly (laughs) speaking of abnormal what did you think about the Fox graphics of the fans
2: let me even pull back even further for you as a a broadcaster. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? I didn't like the I didn't like the uh virtual fans in the stands. I didn't either. I I I enjoy the cardboard cutout because I get it. I hear some of the teams use that as a charity exactly thing, which is a fantastic whenever you can do something like that. But don't
0: don't put uh don't put that. It, it confused me. The A's, by the way, had a cardboard cutout of Tom Hanks when he was a concession vendor in Oakland, and they would move it around to different parts of the ballpark on the cardboard cutout. So somebody had a sense of humor there. I, it's a challenge for these TV broadcasters. For instance, the Cubs and the Reds tonight, if you're watching on Marquee Network, Len Casper and Jim Deshays will be in the booth at Wrigley Field. The game is being played in Cincinnati. I would think how surreal it has to be. I mean, basically, you and the tech team are the only people at Wrigley Field. I assume they'll have the lights on in the stadium, but I don't know. Maybe not. Is and it because that's where the designated, this is this is where
2: we've sanctioned you, this is your spot?
0: Each Each of these broadcast teams... Uh, Their company decides where they're going to call the game from, but they're not allowed to travel with the team. Oh, okay. So, for instance, I was watching a game on TBS yesterday with Ernie Johnson and Jimmy Rollins. They were doing Washington or New York at Washington, but they were in a studio in Atlanta. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure where the Fox announcers did their game from, uh, but you have some places, so... Both the Chicago crews, whether it's Len and JD for the Cubs or Jason and Stoney for the White Sox, are going to be doing their games from their home broadcast booth in their ballpark. Mm. Maybe that's what the crew decided was the easiest to set up. Uh, There are others who are doing it from their studio. We'll have to get my friend Ben Wagner on. Ben is the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's a Fairfield High School graduate. Oh, okay. He's not even doing the game from the same country as his team is playing because the Blue Jays were not allowed to play in Toronto. Their home games are going to be in Buffalo. And he's back in Toronto doing the games. So all these places have special monitors set up. They get a couple more angles than what you do at home um, with so that they can see who's warming up in the bullpen, et cetera. But honestly, this is what I did when I was a kid trying to, you know, make tapes to break into broadcasting. You turn down the sound on the TV and you call the game off the monitor at home. Yeah. And it really puts an emphasis on these guys to do their research, to be able to try to tell their stories and to try to do the game in as much of a fashion as what they would do if they were there at the ballpark.
2: I, uh, I'm not a fan of the fake crowd noise either. I just think let's just we all get it. No one's there unless it's the super ego of the players. Or I need to hear the cheering. Let's it, just play.
0: I don't think it's super ego. I think it's trying to make it seem like what they're used to. For instance, I know at Wrigley yesterday, the players requested that the the volume on that actually get cranked up a little bit. Oh, and so they were testing it before the game. And uh, Len Casper snuck a good one in in the first inning. He goes, the fake crowd sounds louder than it did yesterday. (laughs) Did you happen
2: to see the tweet of the dad walking around Wrigley filming his son playing the organ for the first time? I shared that
0: with people, yes. John
2: Benedict is the new uh, organist for the Wrigley Field. I have reached out to him. Okay, I think that'd be a fun little... What's it like being the new organist at Wrigley with no one there? Yes. So we are, we are on that trail to get him on the program.
0: One other baseball note, Justin Verlander of the Astros, the former Tigers ace, now the Houston ace, has a strained right forearm. The Houston Chronicle reporting that he will be out for the season. Verlander hopes that he can return to the team, but that's a major blow for the Astros trying to get back to the playoffs. College football is the thing, Corey, that everybody asks me about. And I can't answer their questions yet. And maybe by the end of the week, we'll be able to. What are the big questions? Well, obviously, the big question here in South Bend, Indiana, is, well, what's Notre Dame's schedule going to look like? And will they have fans in the stands? And the correct answers here on Monday, July 27th at 9.36 a.m. as we record this are, I don't know. And I don't know. Notre Dame is waiting to see what the Atlantic Coast Conference will do with its schedule. There has been talk of a 10-game schedule for the ACC, nine conference games, and a plus-one. In the situation of the plus-one, the ACC has a lot of rivalry games with SEC teams. So you have Clemson, South Carolina. You have Georgia, Georgia Tech. You have Florida, Florida State. Clearly, they want to be able to preserve those games. It would allow Notre Dame one more game, whether that be the Navy game, which Navy is hoping to play because it gives them a lot of visibility, or one of their home games, we don't know. And currently, Notre Dame only has six ACC teams on the schedule. So what will that schedule look like? Will they be filled in with three teams that aren't currently on the schedule? There's been talk of a home-and-home with ACC teams where you only play five teams, but you play them at your place and on the road. We'll have to see what they come up with. The SEC and the Big 12 are in the same boat. Interesting salvos, though, fired by a couple of Big 12 teams over the weekend. Both Oklahoma and Kansas said, you know what, we're moving up our season opener. We're so confident in the testing that's been going on And the fact that we haven't had players testing positive, we're going to move up our season openers to August 29th. I found that a little bit perplexing and surprising. And who knows, those games may wind up being pushed back if the Big 12 says, no, we want to start later. Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, is a big proponent of let's get the kids back on campus, all the kids. There's likely to be a spike once you get all the kids back on campus. Survive that and then start the season late September, early October. Still have time to get 10-game season in if you do it that way. We'll see how this all shakes out, though. Anybody, as we've said on this show before, anybody who tells you that they know what the answer is right now is lying to you. Nobody knows. We'll see probably by the end of the week because camps are supposed to open uh, right around Friday, August 6th, Hmm. or 7th, I think. Okay. Then there's the situation with high school sports. Uh, South Bend Tribune today reprinted an article that Kyle Nedden from the Indianapolis Star ran over the weekend. It's a topic that we've talked about on this show before, and that is, The question about will there be enough officials to run a full schedule of games this year in the Indiana high school athletic association, because you're seeing more and more officials opt out because of COVID-19 Chuck Henry has a crew here in Northern Indiana that worked a state championship a couple of years ago. Very well respected crew. That crew is taking 2020 off. You know, Chuck, has a mother that's on oxygen. He's got another member of his crew that's in his late 70s that he's concerned about. So that whole crew has decided we're not working any games in 2020 because of COVID concerns. The IHSA perfectly understands the situation. And Robert Falkins, former Sopin LaSalle football coach, as a matter of fact, who is now one of the assistant commissioners at the IHSA, has told the officials, look, none of this is going to be held against you when it comes time for assignments or tournament jobs, things like that. But the IHSA already had an official shortage. They barely had enough crews to cover a full schedule of games. So the question is, does this force teams to move games to Thursdays or Saturdays or some other day of the week rather than Fridays so that officials, you might see officials working Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. Do these guys get paid? They do, but not a lot. Where does that money come from? High school athletic budgets. Okay. And this is another thing that's being looked at upon high school athletics. All right. If you can't put fans in the stands for those first few games, how do you pay your bills? And there was an article that ran in the Goshen News last week that some of the schools in Elkhart County are looking at pay-per-view for their games. So let's let's use the Elkhart Concord opening game as an example. If you can't put fans in the stands, Dave Preheim, the athletic director at Concord, wants to say, "Okay, we'll p- provide you a stream, uh, but we'll charge you, you know, ten bucks a view." Now, of course, if you've got a family or something, that's probably a bargain. You know, you pop that up on the big screen and. And you sit there and and you and all the kids can watch. What it does for a place like ours, though, is Dave Breheim would turn around and tell us, well, why should I let you do the game for free and have people watch it later when you know we need the revenue stream from the pay per view. So our schedule even though you can see it on the 46 Sports cover page on Facebook right now. That may be up in the air. We'll have to see. And, of course, I love having those kind of question marks as we're you know, basically uh, 26 days away from the season opener.
2: Oh, boy. Let's go inside the bubble.
0: Well, the NBA bubble right now is a very interesting place because you have you have players leaving for a variety of reasons. Now, Patrick Beverly of the Clippers left the NBA bubble because, well, he had a funeral to attend, and so he was given clearance to leave the bubble and uh, head on out. Meanwhile, uh, the NBA is investigating Lou Williams, who also plays for the Clippers, for his activities during an excused absence. Apparently, he also had a funeral to attend uh, because they they want to check out the length of his uh, his quarantine that he'll have to do. You see, Lou, after attending the funeral, stopped by a gentleman's club in Atlanta called Magic City, allegedly to pick up a food order. Lou says that... Uh, He was interested in the wings. I think he might have been more of a leg or thigh man myself. But nevertheless, is this the guy? So I was like, I was just picking up a Frosty. Is that him? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And apparently somebody took a picture of him (laughs) while he was there because, let's face it, everybody's got cell phones these days. You can't go anywhere without anybody... Lou apparently is enough of a regular at this facility and I'm not talking about the bubble uh, enough of a regular that he's got a meal named after him there (laughs) so uh, the bubble remains an interesting place you know I saw stories of Dwight Howard not walking around with a mask on and so you've got the mask police out at the bubble you've got people needing to leave the bubble for a variety of reasons, but what do you do when you're outside that bubble? And for instance, when the NFL sat down with its players and came to an agreement with them, one of the things that they were told is you can't go to clubs. You can't go to clubs this year. You can't go to any indoor place that has more than 15 people around. You've, and I think Joe Madden said this about his team, the Angels, this year in baseball, you have to be the best teammate this year you can possibly be. Yeah, And it's on you to be accountable for your actions so that you don't necessarily put your other teammates at risk. And that's going to be the case whether you're an NBA, NFL, college, or high school player. All of those things are areas of accountability for players right now in this new dynamic.
2: When does uh, the NBA game start to count? They're
0: supposed to start Thursday night. Oh, this Thursday night. This Thursday night. Okay. We'll see if the Clippers are able to field a team. (laughs) If not, they'll have some good food, I guess. My goodness. All right. You feel like you've exhausted everything? Are we caught up? I'm exhausted, I'll (laughs) tell you that. First day back from vacation, and we've got all kinds of News a hopping. I'm just I'm hopping on my Twitter right now. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at forty six sports. I'm hopping on my Twitter right now just to see if there's anything more about this uh Marlin situation, but not not yet. I think we've given you the latest. All right.
2: Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. If you want to leave a review or a star review, that always is very helpful. It helps the algorithms, Chuck, and move the Sports Yak podcast up a couple notches, gets more people involved listening, or whatever. Share it with a friend on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast platforms.
0: In the meantime, for episode 220, for Corey Man, it's Chuck Freeby saying, ooga Michael Keaton.
1: We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Shack. Sport Shack. Sport Shack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.